Not sure I always do. It's good to be in the house of God, amen? amen. Praise God. A couple of quick announcements. Before the announcements, though, while we were singing that new song, and Dennis, you shared that story in relationship to your dad. I'm, I'm mindful that there are many here who are going through tumultuous times, difficulties, family situations that are beyond your control, health issues that doctors are making statements in relationship to health, financial struggles that grip, that rob us of joy, that take our fear. And I was reminded of the portion of Scripture when Jesus said to his disciples, let's go to the other side. And they got into a boat. And the trip was a lengthy trip. And Jesus made his way to the lower decks and fell asleep. And in the midst of him falling asleep, a great storm came over the waters. And if you, can, if you could see the Sea of Galilee, if you could see the vast size of the sea and understand that when the waves were pushed and blown by the winds, that the waves were large enough to swamp a large fishing vessel. This was not a small canoe. This was not a small vessel that they went out rowing on the water. This was a, this was a large boat, many men on it, and experienced fishermen. And they feared for their very lives that they were going to sink and they were going to die. And so they went down beneath and woke Jesus up and said, do you not care? We are perishing. And Jesus' words were simple. O ye, O you of little faith. And I'm reminded of that simply because Jesus had already told them, let us go to the other side. And as we sang that song, we referenced where we have come from, but also where we're going. Jesus is in your boat. 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 Jesus is in our boat. And we're going to get to the other side. Jesus is in your boat. Francine, he's in your boat. Amen. Amen. Jesus is in the boat. He's in the boat. We're going to get there. Every one of us, he's in our boat. Mom, he's in our boat. Amen. That's the word of the Lord. That's the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father in heaven.
Holy is your name. Holy is your name. We worship you. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. You are the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. You are the first and the last. We worship you. And we thank you. And we express our faith, albeit little faith. We express our faith. God, you are with us. Jesus, you are with us. You said, lo, I am with you even unto the end of the age. And we simply cling to you. We just hold on to you. And we are so very thankful that we of little strength and we of little faith need not focus our energies on holding on. For the truth is, you are holding on to us. You are holding on to us. So God, thank you that we're going to make it. Your purpose will prevail. Your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. And everyone said a strong amen. 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 Charlie, you ready? You feel ready? (laughs) A couple of weeks ago, in the midst of the service, I asked if somebody had a word from the Lord, and I asked very specifically. I walked across the front, and I went over to Charlie, who's one of the elders of our church. He's, besides myself, the longest-standing elder in the church, and I asked him, I said, Charlie, I feel like you might have a word a word from the Lord for us. And so we, I waited, and I, I went back, and I said, if you do, I'm going to look over your way, and you just nod yes or no. And uh, I got up and came up after the prayer, and I looked over at Charlie, and he just got it, he did one of these, and I thought, okay, okay. And I thought, you know, I always questioned, Lord, did I miss you there? Or was that, I, I was pretty certain you were speaking to me in my heart, right? Well, last week, Charlie came up to me and he says, so, you know, when you asked me, <laughs> he said, I was probably looking for something big, but the Lord did give me a word. And he says, so I wanted you to know that you didn't miss it. And I said, oh, good, that means you get to come and share it. <laughs> so will you, uh, will you just welcome Charlie as he comes to share uh, it may be it may be long. You can preach. It could be short. You could say a sentence. It's, it's going to be short. First okay. off, and uh, be careful what you say today. You end up with a microphone. <laughs> but um, like Dave was saying, I I, uh, I was kind of expecting something new and, and different. That it was, you know, obviously this came from, you know, right now kind of kind of moment, and uh, it wasn't it at all. It was, it was something that. that uh, it's kind of been a theme for me since, I don't know, last year even. But uh, it's just that the, the God's grace for me is, is just so much more than, uh, than I could ever deserve or earn. Because, you know, uh, <clears throat> I mean, I know where I've been. I, I was saved as an adult. But even since, since saved, even since yesterday, it's like, I need grace. I need grace. And, you know... For uh, 
you know, the one thing that I've really always tried to make sure we don't do is just to be prideful about being elders or in leadership. We're just people, all right? And, and I think that really what the message is for everyone is that it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. God loves you for who you are. And he's not expecting anything other than you, than, than you to come to him. Hey, I need your help. And I think that's about it. So, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The grace of God. The grace of God. And the grace of God is for every moment, for every circumstance. And it's not just the big only, but every one of us in all that we face, we need the grace of God. And the beauty is, His grace is there always. His grace is sufficient for everything. And it is His grace that teaches us to say no to ungodliness, worldly passions, to live upright and godly in this present age while we wait for the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace. I love that the book of Revelation where we are in our current study in fact I would invite you to turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 1 the salutation starts Verse 4, if you will, John writing to the seven churches, which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. Grace to you and peace. Well, we'll dive into the to the message here. I just I wanted to remind parents of children. Two things. Number one, if your child was kind of on that borderline of graduating up, promotion is this month moving from a toddler town into kids town. So there is kind of a promotion, and you'll know who you are because hopefully in the toddler town they communicated with you. But some of the kids are going to be moving from toddler town into kids town. That's pretty exciting. And. I want to let all of the parents know of all of the kids that we begin our practices for our Christmas Children's Theater next Sunday evening at 6 p.m. Wrapping All the Way is the program, is the play or the drama. And uh, wrapping, there might be a little pun in that word, I was going to try and do something funny, but I'm not going to. Because <laughs> this wrapping is not happening. Anyway, uh, wrapping all the way. So I want to encourage all moms and dads to make plans to have your children in the Christmas play. It is going to be a phenomenal uh, opportunity for them to engage one with another, to be involved, 
and to be up on stage and have just fun singing to the Lord. And uh, we get to be the ones who receive that. It's going to be great. Okay, so those two things, the promo and the Christmas. And then I want to remind everyone twofold in relationship to Heart for the House, which is our financial campaign, our capital campaign for the purchase and the renovation of our home, our building that we will be uh, sometime, I believe, in the next year taking actual physical possession of and we'll have occupancy. That will be exciting. Uh, And in relationship to that, Ruth Friesen had an idea of the simplicity of collecting cans and bottles that are valued presently at five cents. I saw in the news that that might be going to 10 cents. And if you bring them on Sunday, there are bags available for you. During the week, you put all your cans and what have you, bottles, and bring them on Sunday. And then she'll take them down and she'll do all the uh, input. And then those dollars will go towards the heart of the house. So that's a way that you can certainly be engaged. Okay, those things being said, we're in Revelation chapter 1. Now, again... Revelation. I want you to note first that it is singular. Revelation. It is not revelations. It is a single revelation. And it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. His person and his deity as well as his prophecy and literally our destiny. Okay, so the person of Jesus Christ, he was given this revelation by God the Father. So by way of reminder, and if you weren't with us last week, we would encourage you to listen to last week's message. But by way of reminder, this revelation was given to Jesus by the Father. That brought up an interesting thought that Jesus, while in His incarnation, while he was man on earth, he did not have full disclosure of the future. In fact, we know because he said no man knows the hour of the coming. He says not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but the father only. And so Jesus was learning. We certainly remember this from those early years of Jesus when Luke wrote and told under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and favor both with God and with man. So he was growing in wisdom. Now, in that, we'll look at some interesting things between our morning service and certainly in the evening service. Now, I want to invite everyone to come to the evening service at 6 o'clock. We are doing a verse-by-verse study through the book of Revelation, and we are covering more detail than we have the ability to do on Sunday morning. So come back out and join us on Sunday evening. Someone say amen. 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 All right, good. Uh, Okay, so Revelation, the apocalypse, if you will. This is a book that has with it a special promise, a promise of blessing to the reader to the hearer and to the keeper of all that is within it. Again, it is 404 verses. And of these 404 verses, some 278 of them will refer us to at least 
Well, it, it has been counted between 500 and 800 allusions from the Old Testament, idioms from the Old Testament, or types from the Old Testament. Now, I can simply say, part of the blessing I know that has been certainly for me, perhaps already for you, and I believe for all of us it will be, if you are not as familiar with the Old Testament as you would like to be, I believe that our time and the study of the book of Revelation, we will be more familiarized with the Old Testament, recognizing that in Psalm 40, the Word of God says that the volume of the book is written of me. And that's referring to Messiah. And you and I know that Messiah is Jesus Christ. And so the volume of the book is written of Jesus. And so our time in the Old Testament can be fruitful revelation of Christ in the midst of the Old Testament. So I'm hopeful that way. Um, Last Sunday, we had our intro, if you will, to Revelation. And the title of the message was The Unveiling. So it's the really the uh, interpretation or the translation of the word apocalypsis, which is an unveiling or the removal of a veil. So that was last week's message. We looked at the person, the purpose, and the promise that is contained. This week's message title is Revelation, The Unveiled. So there was an unveiling. Now we're going to look very specifically at that which was unveiled. And we're talking very specifically about Jesus. So I will remind you this morning, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 19 also is the key verse of the entire book. In that it is also, this book has a divine outline. It is an outline given by Jesus Christ himself. And Revelation chapter 1 and verse 19 says this, Write the things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. So three parts to the book of Revelation. This book that it has been said is difficult to understand. The truth is it is not, and we will discover that. We'll allow scripture to interpret scripture to help us in our understanding. And when we follow the divine outline, the clarity of the book of Revelation becomes crystal clear. And so very specifically, we're going to be looking at today the things which John saw. The things which John saw. Our text for the day, Revelation chapter 1, verses 9 through 20. And the things which John has seen is Revelation chapter 1. So in that divine outline, write the things which thou hast seen, the things that he had seen, he wrote, and it is is Revelation chapter 1. So let's pick up in verse 9. I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, let me stop here for a moment. There is a tremendous amount of history and information in relationship to John's exile on the island of Patmos Come this evening, you'll hear the detail associated with that. He says, verse 10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Here's another little plug for tonight. 
the Lord's day. What is meant in this portion of scripture in relationship to the Lord's day? You'll have to come tonight to hear more about that. <laughs> this is called bait. Bait. All right. He says, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. To Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Write the things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. Today, Revelation, the unveiled. Who is it that has been unveiled before John? John, who is in exile on the island of Patmos, it is said that he was on the island for nearly 10 years. He was placed in exile by Domitian, the Roman emperor of that time. And he continued there until the end of Domitian's reign. In 96 AD, he came off the island and he finished out his years in Ephesus. And this one, John, it was revealed to him that Jesus Christ is alive, he is in resurrection power, and he is glorified with the glory that he had prior to the incarnation. You can imagine for John, you can imagine for the church, you can imagine because of the tremendous persecution under the previous emperor Nero, over three million brothers and sisters had given their life for the faith. It has now been nearly 65 years since the resurrection since the ascension into heaven and John, an eyewitness of all that Jesus did before him, all that Jesus did in the midst of his public ministry, the death and crucifixion, the resurrection and the ascension and 65 years of church history. You imagine his need for a fresh revelation of the risen Savior. 
And again, I would challenge you, thinking about your own circumstances, thinking about your own situation, thinking about perhaps family members, the difficulties and the trials, a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ is what really all of us need. All of us need. So, we're going to look at three aspects from our text this morning regarding Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The first is, He is the rewarder of the diligent. He is the rewarder of the diligent. Now, you can reference in your Bible, and you can make a note in your notes today, be reminded of Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. Hebrews eleven six reminds us that without faith it is impossible to please God, and that those who come to Him must believe that He is, and He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Now, in our text, take a note, if you will, of verse 12. Verse 12, after the voice that spoke behind him, verse 12 says, Then I, John, then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. I want you to note that John, on the island, he hears the voice behind him. Now, I don't know about you, but when I have been home and I'm doing my thing, I might be reading or I'm studying or I'm doing you know, what I do in terms of my little business stuff on the home front, and I think I'm home alone. And then all of a sudden, without my recognition, someone's standing in the room, and they speak. You ever had that happen to you? I mean, every faculty in my body reacts, and adrenaline begins to run through my system. And I mean, things fumble, I make noises, and I'm like, I didn't know you were in here. And I get alarmed. I can only imagine what it must have been like for John to hear this thundering voice behind him. The voice like a trumpet, the sound of many waters speaking. I mean, the moment the voice began to speak, I got a sneaky suspicion John's attention was on cue. Every hair on his body standing at attention Speak, Lord, speak. And John does something interesting. And I think it's important that we note that John turned to see. He turned to see. Now here's something very unique. Remember, Hebrews reminds us that God is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I believe that we could see, if we did a diligent study, and we won't do that this morning, I'm going to, by way of reminder, tell you three Old Testament men who turned to see. And because they turned to see, they were given special revelation. Special revelation. Like John, on the island of Patmos, was given a very special revelation. The risen, glorified Jesus was there, physically. Just like a person sitting next to you, sitting in front of you, sitting behind you, is physically here, Jesus tangibly was standing on the island of Patmos, reached out with his right hand, 
touched John, strengthened him, and said, don't be afraid, get up, I'm going to share something with you. He was physically there. John had a divine revelation. Imagine if John never turned around. It sounded like the ocean. It sounded like many waters. That's <laughs> probably something in my head. And if he just went on about his business. We would have missed out. He certainly would have missed out. The church would have missed out. But he turned to see. Let's consider for a moment Abraham in the Old Testament. You can write down, we won't go to the text this morning, but Genesis chapter 22. It's the story of Abraham and his son Isaac as they climbed the mountain or approached the top of the mountain, Mount Moriah. Abraham was instructed by God to offer his only son Isaac as an offering unto the Lord. We don't have from the text in the scripture the age of Isaac. The translators translated that he was a lad or that he was a boy. But we know that he carried the wood up the mountain. This does not seem like a task for a boy or for a lad. The historian Josephus, in his volumes, The Antiquity of the Jews, he relates Isaac of the age... 30, between 25 and 30 years old. In fact, in the antiquity of the Jews, in this portion of text and scripture, he relates a dialogue between Abraham and Isaac. And it is a fascinating historical read. It is extra biblical, but it gives volume to the text of scripture and the history of the Jews. It's interesting. That there, you know the story, he bound his son, who, if he was a young child or even a young man, he could have outrun his dad. We have no indication from the text in Scripture that there was a struggle. He bound his son. In fact, Josephus accounts that Isaac verbally said, even if you and not your God required a required this of me. What kind of a son would I be if I didn't willfully lay my life down? We see a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, even in those words, if you will. He raises his hand with all purpose and intent that he was going to offer his son. Now, we recognize also that his faith was accounted to him as righteousness because he said to the men that they left at the bottom of the mountain, the boy and I will return. He knew that if God required the life of Isaac, that God would also raise Isaac from the dead. In fact, in Abraham's heart, he had already killed Isaac because he had intended to. But you know the story and I know the story. God interceded. God interceded on his behalf and stopped Abraham from slaying his son. And the Bible says that Abraham lifted his eyes and behind him a ram was caught in the thicket. It indicates he lifted his eyes and in order for him to see behind him, he turned and there God provided a sacrifice. God provided a sacrifice. 
In fact, the scripture tells us Abraham's declaration when Isaac asked him about the wood and the fire, but where is the offering? Abraham, by faith, simply said, God will provide himself a sacrifice. A prophetic statement that he would provide even himself. In that moment, he provided a ram, or a lamb, if you will. And we know that John the Baptist, when he saw, or yes, John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus, he said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. God was about to provide himself a sacrifice. God became man, and he was going to become a sacrifice. But Abraham turned, and he saw the ram caught in the thicket. And he made the declaration. Here's the divine revelation as he diligently turned to see. He made the declaration, God's name, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. You may be here today and you're wondering, Lord, where are you? I need your provision. Lord, where are you? I need your provision. Not the working of my own hands. Not the ingenuity of my own abilities. God, I need you to provide. I want to encourage you to seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. Because I believe that God's divine revelation for each one of us individually, whether now, in the past, now, or in the future, we will need Jehovah Jireh. We will need Jehovah Jireh. We will need that revelation. The Lord is our provider. He's our provider. Let me remind every single person who is here. Your ability to do commerce. Number one, your health. The Lord is my provider. Amen. My ability. The Lord is my provider. Amen. The job that you have, don't have, or are believing for. The Lord is your provider, not the one who signs the check. At the place of business. That you work. Never mistake. It is not the paycheck. That provides. It's the Lord that provides. And here's the good news. That should be an encouragement for you. Whatever you do. Do it heartily. As unto the Lord. Not as unto men. Because in all reality. We work for the Lord. And he is our provider. Now, he uses business and he uses commerce. But let's not forget, the Lord is our provider. So we have Abraham as an example. His special revelation as he turned to see Jehovah Jireh. Consider Moses. Moses. Exodus chapter 3. You can write that down and go and read that today, tomorrow, or the next day. In Exodus chapter 3, Moses is on his way and he sees a sight. Off to the side. And it is a bush that is on fire, but is not consumed. Moses makes this statement. He says it out loud. This is fascinating to me. He says this out loud. I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush does not burn. I mean, I don't know about you. But if I see something on fire, it's being consumed. In fact... Never have I seen a fire where something is not being consumed. 
Moses was in the same shoes you and I are. He had never seen something on fire that's not being consumed. On this day, he saw a bush on fire. Now, I don't know if it was a big bush, small bush, little bush, wide bush, thick bush. I don't know. It was a bush, and it was on fire. And it wasn't being consumed. And he said, "You, know, I mean, you imagine he's doing his deal. And he, what? I'm going to now turn aside and see this thing. Why the bush is not being consumed? Listen to what the Word of God says in relationship. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, the Lord took note that he turned aside to see. When the Lord took note that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush, Moses, Moses. Every hair on Moses' body probably stood to attention. Boom! This is a moment, and there's a special revelation that God is going to give him. God speaks from the bush, gives him some instruction, and he says, how will they won't listen to me? Who, who do I say sent me? And God says, I am that I am. You tell the people, I am sent you. Wow, the great I am. That happens to be the same title. At the time of the arrest of Jesus, one of the gospel accounts, Jesus and this great mob as they came, Jesus said, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And we get the image that he turned and he said, I am. And the scripture tells us that the people drew back and fell to the ground. Now, you've all seen dominoes. When you set up the dominoes and you push the first one and all of them just fall down and they do their deal. The power of God went forth at the name of God, I am. And Jesus claimed that deity name and he said, I am. And the people fell back to the ground. Now, you need to understand also that this is not just any ordinary people, right? There are Roman guards at the Praetorian Guard. These guys are the ones that Ephesians 6 describes. Their feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel. Well, that's our part, but those those Roman shoes, they have cleats that are for non-retreating. In fact, as soon as you feel pressure, they dig into the ground. They hold their ground, but not on this day. The power of God caused them to draw back and fall to the ground. Boom. Moses turns aside to see, to look, and God sees and speaks to him and gives him a special revelation. That's powerful to me. Thanks be to God. Last story in the Old Testament, Gideon. Gideon in Judges 6, and there again is some implications here. It doesn't say it specifically in the text, but there's an implication. Gideon, he's the son of Joash. Gideon is in the, 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 the Israelites are under uh, the rule of the Midianites right now. They're, they're being dominated by the Midianites. In fact, the Midianites, every time the Israelites would go out to harvest, the Midianites would come in and take all our harvest and they would just warm up. And so these guys were under great persecution by these Midianites. So Gideon, he's actually threshing the wheat 
hidden in this big wine press. He's like, so he's threshing the wheat in this big enclosed area so the Midianites couldn't see that he was getting some harvest. It says the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the terebinth tree. Now we don't know where the vat, the wine press, press was and where the terebinth tree are. So the implication is the angel of the Lord sat down and he said something to Gideon. Hey, mighty man of valor. Gideon hears it. He had to come out of that wine press area and he encountered, the Bible says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him. In other words, became visible to him. And in so doing, God speaks to Gideon face to face. Gideon is terrified because he says, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And he literally feared his life unto death. Feared his life unto death. For he had seen the Lord face to face. And the Lord had spoken to him and given him direction. And God said to him to fear not, for he would not die. Be at peace. Be at peace. Gideon's revelation there was the name of God, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. Maybe you're here today and you're not at peace. Pastor Dennis asked, while we were worshiping the Lord, are you struggling with joy? Let me say this to all of us. You see, when there's a lack of peace in our lives, I know this would be true in my life. When there is a lack of peace in my life, my joy meter goes down to very low. You know the old song, if you're happy and you know it, your face will surely show it. When my joy meter is low, I'm telling everybody it's low. You know when my joy meter is high? doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure it out, right? I mean, I'm the guy who's, you know, pretty emotive guy, and I get, I get pretty excited about stuff, and I get pretty excited about the Lord, because I'm excited, and my face is going to surely show it. Here's the thing, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will give you speak. And if your joy is low, it's probably indicative of the fact that your peace is low. Maybe you're here today, and in some way, the enemy of your soul has been robbing your peace. It could be circumstances, again, beyond your control. It could be a variety of things. It could be someone just being mean to you. It could be someone saying false things about you to other people. It could be someone's gossiping about you. I don't know, but I know for some of you what it is, because I know you, and we've talked. And the enemy's trying to rob you of your peace. Let me first remind you that Christ is in the boat. And he's in your boat. He's in your boat. And he is Jehovah Shalom. The Lord, my peace. The Lord, our peace. The scripture tells us and reminds us, as Paul was writing to the church in Philippi, be anxious for nothing, but in all things... Through prayer, 
supplication, present your requests to God. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. Oh, that the peace of God would rule and reign in our hearts. Amen? If you're here today and you need peace, be encouraged. Jehovah Shalom is here. He is here to give you that peace. I believe it's a divine revelation. The more we see Jesus, the more we spend time with Jesus, the more we're with Jesus. Jehovah Shalom. Okay, so he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's the rewarder of the diligent. He's also the resurrected of the dead. Let's look at this second aspect, if you will. Verse 17 and 18 say this, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying to me, or saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Well, let's consider his deity first. The scripture declares, Jesus said, I am the first and the last. Now, we don't have time this morning to go to the scriptures, but I'm going to give them to you for you to write in your notes, and I'll read a portion of it. But three times the, uh, the prophet Isaiah wrote under the inspiration of the Spirit of God prophecies for the children of Israel. And in the midst of them, in Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 4, Isaiah 44 and verse 46, in Isaiah 48 and verse 12, he makes the declaration, I am the first and I am the last. And so the question is, in relationship to those Old Testament scriptures that the prophet Isaiah was making declaration, who is the first and who is the last? Now without the New Testament, immediately our response would say God. In fact, if you look at, I really do now want you to look at Isaiah 44, verse 6. Will you turn with me in your Bibles? Just flip back to the left and uh, see in Isaiah 44 and verse 6. He says this, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and I am the last. Listen, Beside me, there is no God. There is no God beside me. I am the first and the last. So when asked the question, who is this? One would say, this is God. God is the first and the last. In fact, if you have a couple of guests come to your front door, they happen to be in white shirts, black tie, little badge on their shirt that says Elder, Elder so-and-so. I don't know what their names are. Elder, Elder Gerard. Anyway, they'll want to talk to you about God. And in their theology, they claim that Jesus Christ is created. He is not eternal God. 
The Old Testament text, you can walk and you can bring them right here. You just say, that's great. I'd like to talk about that too. Let's look in the Bible and read what the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 44, verse 6. And you look in chapter 44, verse 6, and you say, could you read this for me? And this nice Latter-day Saint will look at the text. He'll read verse 6. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me there is no God. And then you ask them, who is the first and the last? You got them. They're going to say God. You say You could take them through Isaiah uh, 41 as well. You could take them through uh, 48 verse 12. But where it becomes super interesting, turn back to Revelation chapter 1. This is so fun. He says in verse, well, he says in verse 11, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. You stop right there and say, who's this? Now they're going to be a little bit hesitant, but they're going to say, God. Say, okay, that's good. Even though in your little red letter edition, you see those are red letters, and you're like, okay, this is Jesus. Then go over to verse 18. I am he who lives, and this is, again, well, you'd have to read verse the, the tail end of verse 17. Do not be afraid, I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive. This is when you say, who's the first and the last in verse 17? They're going to try and say God, and you say, good. When was God dead? Well, God wasn't dead, unless we're talking about Jesus, because Jesus died. They have to say, oh, but that makes Jesus God. And you say, great deduction, because that's what the word of God says. Jesus is eternal God. Does that make sense? So here the scripture bears out that Christ is deity of his beginnings. They are from everlasting, eternal God. Eternal God. Eternal God. Come tonight, we'll go into greater detail, and uh, this is some ammunition for your arsenal uh, against the cults and those that teach false doctrine. You can be well-equipped for Mormonism, you can be well-equipped for Jehovah Witnesses, and many of the other cults, if we would simply know our Bibles and understand the deity of Jesus Christ. Okay, so consider his deity. Consider his description. We look at verses 12 through verse 16. And here we have this description of the resurrected, living, glorified King Jesus. Now the beauty of this description, it reminds us of a time that John previously had seen the resurrected, glorified Jesus. In Matthew chapter 17, when Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John up onto the mountain, and there he was transfigured before them. And a very similar description. His hair and his face were white, as white as snow, white like wool. And it goes down the description, his feet like 
brass that had been refined in the fire. His chest girded about with that gold sash, etc. And just right on down the line, describing very similar. This is John back in Matthew 17. He sees the resurrected, glorified Christ transfigured before him before Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension. And now, 65, 66 years later, he physically sees him again now after his death, resurrection, and ascension. Powerful, powerful. It's interesting to note also that Daniel the prophet in the Old Testament, Daniel the prophet who was prophesying in the royal house during the days just before the exile of Jerusalem and the children of Israel into Babylonian captivity and all throughout the entire captivity in Babylon. Daniel has a vision of the Ancient of Days. Daniel chapter 7, you can read about it. The Ancient of Days. And this description bears many of the same resemblances. Hair and face, white like wool, etc. Again, his deity, the resurrected Savior. Consider his deity, consider this description. And you can cross-reference Matthew 17 and Daniel chapter 7. Consider his domain. It says, Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man. What is the resurrected, living glorified Jesus. What is his domain? Where is he? He's amidst the church. The church. You see, we are given the description of what the seven lampstands are in verse 20 of our text. Jesus tells us what the lampstands are. He says the lampstands are the seven churches. Here's the beauty. The resurrected, glorified, living Savior is amidst the church. He's amidst the church. Presently, the church is on the earth. And Jesus is with us. That's good news. It's his domain. Here's an interesting thing to note. In Revelation chapter 4, we'll see the lampstands are now in heaven. Which is an indication that the church is now in heaven. How interesting. Yeah, that is cool. Uh, Okay, so in this uh, second point, if you will... He is the reward of those who diligently seek. He is the resurrection of the dead. Those three things, his deity, his description, and his domain. Let's get to the third. He is the ruler of all domains. Verse 11, Jesus refers to himself as the Alpha and the Omega. Now the first time he refers to himself as the Alpha and the Omega is in verse 8. If you look at verse 8, which was not part of our text this morning, but he says, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. The Almighty. The Almighty. This is a compound word in the Greek, and it is an interesting pronunciation Pontocrato, Pontocrato means very, very specifically ruler of all. Ruler of all. 
He is the ruler of all things. That means no matter where you are, what you're going through, He is still in charge. He is still ruling over. Man, I'm so thankful that I'm not in charge of my own circumstances. (laughs) If I was in charge, I'm certain I would make a mess of them. But with King Jesus and His rulership. So let's consider his lordship over first his disciples, the living. That's us. Consider his lordship in your life. You might only need to look back about that peace. Are you lacking peace? Are you lacking joy? Listen, here is a very true and real principle in the word of God. The Bible tells us the prophet Isaiah again in reference to prophesying about the soon coming incarnation... What time is it this morning? I can't see that clock. Is it almost four, Bill? No wonder I'm sweating. No wonder you're sweating. <laughs> wow. I am so sorry. All right, let's 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 move through here. All of a sudden I looked up there and I could see this, the minute hand. I thought, mercy, you guys are enduring. <laughs> Uh, You need only look at that peace and that joy and realize and recognize that the prophet Isaiah reminds us that of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. If you are lacking peace, I wonder if it's because he's lacking governance in your life. You mentioned the time and there we go. Love you, brother. I know what we're doing here. This is good. Okay, so we'll, we'll move through. Consider his lordship in your life, in the life of his disciples. Consider his lordship over the dead. The, tri- the scripture tells us and the text tells us he has the keys of death and hell. So whether they're living dead, not zombies, but living without Christ, they're like, white, they're, they're like dead men walking around. Because they have not been born again. He's ruler over them. And those that have already died away from the Lord. He's ruler over them. Because he has the keys to death and Hades. Now, here's the thing. Consider his lordship over the destinies of both. The destinies of both. Listen to what Acts chapter 10 and verse 42 says. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify. It is he who has ordained, who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. Jesus is the judge. He's the judge. All judgment has been entrusted to him. And he will judge the living and the dead. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. Paul writing to Timothy He says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. And then he made that epic encouragement to all ministers of the gospel. Preach the word. So we preach the word. 1 Peter 4 and 5 says, they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. I simply recall to you that verse 15 references his feet as fine brass. I will say to you and encourage you to come out tonight that brass throughout scripture is a reference to judgment. It's very interesting 
And we could read in Numbers 21 where fiery serpents came amongst the children of Israel who were biting them and they were dying. And God entered, and Moses interceded. And as Moses interceded, God told Moses to make a fiery serpent and raise it up on a pole. And the scripture says, Moses made a brass serpent and raised it up on a pole. And such that when anyone looked after being bitten by one of the fiery serpents, if he would but look upon the bronze serpent, he would not die. He would be healed and not die. There's an interesting picture there. That the serpent is a type of sin. Bronze is a type of judgment. Sin was judged, and because sin was judged, if you looked upon the bronze serpent, you'd be healed and you would live. Here's the type. Jesus said in John chapter 3, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man shall be lifted up, and he who believes on him shall not perish, but live forever. The very next verse is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Sin, a picture, or a serpent, a picture of sin. The Bible tells us that God made him who knew no sin to become sin that we might become the righteousness of Bronze. Sin was judged in Jesus. Sin was judged in Jesus. He was lifted up on a tree. And the Bible says, if we would but look to the judged sin upon the cross, we would be healed and live forever to be born again. So we see he is the rewarder of the diligent. He is the resurrected of the dead. And he is the ruler of all domains. Thanks be to God. Will you stand with me this morning? Again, I want to invite you to come out as we finish chapter 1 tonight in our study verse by verse. We'll be meeting at 6 o'clock. We'll have a time of worship. And we're going to dive right into the study. And uh, I'll probably keep those guys long like I kept you long. If you're lacking peace, if you're lacking in any of the areas that we talked about this morning, the good news is Jehovah Shalom. Maybe you're lacking something. Remember, He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the Lord that provides. He is the great I am. He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Let's pray. Father, we worship You. We thank You this day. Lord, we ask that You would supply and provide And may your peace rule and reign in our hearts. Thank you that you, you are, you're the great I am. Lord, we look to you. We ask your blessing. We ask your benediction. In Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people so strong. Amen. 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 Go in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Come back tonight at 6 o'clock. God bless you.
Jesus and Jesus said, I am going to sell that. So a theory on my own was that it was spiritual warfare. And it was the demons holding up the people to get him to want Jesus. The same thing when it was the guards, the Roman guards. And when he said that, the demons had no choice but to leave. Wow, interesting. I like it. So when you were talking yeah, about yeah, that, yeah, I remember cool. him talking about that. Oh, 